Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. California public schools are officially back in session and students are going to be subjected to new woke rules and guidelines in their mathematics classes. Now we know that English classes and history classes have become hopelessly corrupted by woke diktats and doctrines, but now this is even extended into math curriculums. There's literally seemingly no end to uh, the infiltration of progressive radical leftist ideology. According to the California State Board of Education, they issued a new framework on July 12th of this year in anticipation for the start of school in, uh, in August, which says that they are providing a new way of teaching math based on, quote, updated principles of focus, coherence, and rigor. <laughs> that statement is truly Orwellian because, as you are about to see in a few moments, the guidelines and the framework that they put forth are the very opposite of these three adjectives. They're not focused, they're not coherent, and they are certainly not rigorous. Now, this framework has taken four years for California public school officials to develop. It is a thousand pages long. It has 14 chapters. And uh, guess what? Even better, it is paid for by California taxpayers such as you and me. Well, I'm assuming that you the viewer also lives in California, or perhaps some of you do, but I live in California, so really great to know that all of my uh, hard work is going towards this academic, hopelessly woke jargon. Chapters in this very important, very rigorous, focused, and cohesive report include, quote, supporting educators and offering equitable and engaging math instruction, structuring school experiences for equity and engagement, and teaching for equity and engagement. So the framework's thesis statement, their reason they're saying for, for existing, is that they want math teachers to, quote, be committed to social justice work to equip students with a toolkit and mindset to identify and combat inequities with mathematics. Look at that sentence. It doesn't say anything about endeavoring to inculcate competency in mathematics. I mean, that is fundamentally what math teaching or any kind of teaching should be about, helping students become competent in that subject. At least you can say that this California school board or a department of education is being honest they're, they're essentially saying we don't care about students being competent in math. We care about their commitment to social justice and combating inequities in mathematics. It also says that they, uh, the framework wants to teach students, quote, that mathematics plays a role in power structures and privileges that exist within our society. Is anything untouched, literally anything in this society, 
As I said, okay, English, history, there's more of an easy avenue for wokeism in that. But math, it's the same thing like when you turn on the TV. I don't even watch TV shows anymore because so many TV shows have these crazy woke storylines. Even if you turn on the NBA, you know, during 2020, a lot of uh, players wore jerseys with equity, equality, justice stitched on the back of their jerseys. It's like, can we just turn on a game and watch a basketball game for the sake of having a sense of escapism from life? Does everything have to be political? Apparently so, because a mantra of leftism really starting in the 1960s, and and this is not an insult, this is literally a objective conveying of fact, leftists would not deny this, A leftist saying starting in the 1960s is that the personal is political. So everything in life is inherently political, even non-political things like mathematics. The most arguably damning part of this new California Department of Education framework is that it wants teachers, and it doesn't mandate this, I have to acknowledge, it doesn't mandate it, but it it says that it favors or recommends these uh, teachings. The framework recommends the elimination of tracking. Tracking is the practice of identifying students that do particularly well in math in order to place them in more advanced classes. According to this new framework paid for in part by my taxpayer money, they're saying that's literally inequitable. We don't want some students to go at a faster pace from other students because that's not fair to other students who don't do as well in mathematics. Equality means equality of opportunity. The word equity means equality of outcomes. So here, these individuals are not hiding their motives. They are, they are flat out saying, we not only want equality, but we want equity. We want people at the end of the day to be at the same place. They take this so far as to recommend that Algebra 1 not be taught until ninth grade. They don't want algebra to be taught any sooner than high school precisely because of this push for equity. If students are learning Algebra 1 in middle school, then it is more likely that some students will advance at faster rates than others, and then they will go on to be in AP courses, other advanced courses, which will leave some students behind. That's part of life. That's part of creating competent people. You reward the, the, what they have demonstrated and endeavor to continue to challenge them. If people educators in school districts take this framework into account, then that means that if a student is on a four-year math track and they only start algebra in ninth grade, by the time that they graduate from high school, they will not reach calculus unless they double up on courses, they take summer school classes, or they go to a private school. Now, what's so equitable about that? A lot of minority students, lower income students, don't have the time or the money to enroll in summer school or God knows enroll in private school. So they are going to be penalized from learning more and being challenged more because of this push for equity. It does raise the question, you know, this California Department of Education unleashing this new framework for public schools why should it not apply to private schools? 
Now, legally, it's much more difficult for a state to make rules for private schools because they are private institutions. They are not beholden, for instance, to the Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights applies to government entities. So if a, um, a public school is... I mean, if all public schools are set up by the government, are funded by taxpayers, are run by government officials, it's much easier for the government then to control what goes on. Private schools, because they are run by private individuals, they uh, can basically do whatever they want. But still, if these individuals were so hell-bent on equity, they would push these doctrines to be taught in private schools. But here's the malignant thing. Probably a lot of these higher-ups in the State Department, in the Department of Education, send their own kids to private schools. So it's okay and it's encouraged to uh, have all of this wokeism as long as it's only in public schools, but the second that it would potentially affect their children and their children's ability or chances of getting into college, then they don't want that equity in that woke push. It really is dishonest and incredibly, incredibly harmful to the average California public school student. It doesn't just stop there, unfortunately, there meaning public schools, K through 12. There's a new set of guidelines in the state of California that also applies to community colleges. California community colleges serve 100, excuse me, Clearly, I cannot read my notes. 1.8, not 100. I need to go back to math class. It serves 1.8 million students in the state of California at 116 campuses across the state. They have recently, alongside California public schools, amended their frameworks for teaching. And these frameworks say that employees must, in this case it is mandated, not just recommended, must espouse tenets of diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. DEIA is like LGBTQIA++. They keep adding these letters, and it's dizzying to keep track of. Quote, faculty members, this is according to California Community College, colleges, shall employ teaching, learning, and professional practices that reflect DEIA and anti-racist principles. What does this look like? They're quite specific in their framework. Quote, teachers must develop and implement a pedagogy and or curriculum that promotes a race conscious and intersectional lens. Gone are the days of non-political teaching. Gone are the days of objective conveying of facts. They are saying you literally have to suffuse it with a woke DEIA intersectional worldview no matter what you're teaching. The framework goes on. Teachers must, quote, contribute to DEI and anti-racism research and scholarship. They must, quote, advocate for and advance DEI and anti-racist goals and initiatives. They must, quote, participate in a continuous cycle of self-assessment. This is like the Maoist self-criticism sessions of the 50s and 60s. They must participate in a continuous cycle of self-assessment of one's growth and commitment to DEI and acknowledgement of any internalized personal biases and racial superiority or inferiority. As I just said, this is literally... (laughs) this. This could be taken out of Mao's Little Red Book. 
in the 50s and 60s, when Mao Zedong was the leader of China, he made people do these self-criticism, self-struggle sessions where they had to discipline themselves to surveil their thought and actions and make sure that their thought and actions were appropriately in line with the Communist Party ideology. And they had to examine their own internalized capitalist proclivities. Literally, this is, this is no different from the dictatorial totalitarian push that we saw not even a century ago. Before I continue, I want to quickly tell you about my pillow. I use all my pillow products. I walk into work wearing my slippers. I go home. I use my towels. I sleep on my pillows. I sleep on the Giza Dream bed sheets. And really, they are excellent products. You can get them at a discount if you use the promo code Hartman. My last name spelled H-A-R-T-M-A-N. You will get 60% off of the Giza Dream Sheets that comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. You will get a set for as low as $39.99. And for a limited time, with each purchase, you will also receive Mike Lindell's soft cover book free with the promo code Hartman. Just go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square or call 1-800-566-6745 and use the promo code Hartman. Between this California Department of Education new public school framework and this California Community College new teaching framework, we are really seeing an assault and a war on merit. A war on merit is a war on civilization. The principal thing that made the United States the competent, extraordinary, yes, extraordinary superpower that it has been, was the fact that we rewarded people based on their competency and based on their merit. We didn't look at people and discriminate. I mean, in, in some cases of our history, we did. But overall, we have worked towards and achieved a system where you do not evaluate people based on their skin color, their race, their, their religion, their gender, but on their merit. This is now being unraveled. Now people are only, this is the whole affirmative action thing, only being chosen on their race or on their uh, sexuality or on their gender. And so when I say that the war on merit is a war on civilization, again, I hearken back to China, not just in the the 50s and 60s, but, but modern day China and the Soviet Union and modern day Russia. If you go back to the middle of the 20th century and look at the way that the Chinese Communist Party and the Soviet Union did business, it was a systematic war on merit. If you had intellectuals in China go to the Chinese Communist Party and say, hey, the way that you are doing your uh, farming and the way that you are mandating that people tend to crops is actually not in accordance with science and the best way to get a high yield, these people would literally be thrown in re-education camps and be subjected to massive suppression by the Communist Party. Why? Because in both the Soviet Union and um, China, what the leaders did is that they purposefully crippled the economy in order to enact a permanent socialist revolution. Mao Zedong gave Chinese farmers 
old tools that were not in accordance with the technological advancement of the age. He gave people backyard furnaces where they would make these shanty equipment. And it was literally because he wanted people to continue to work and continue to engage in this socialist struggle. If people got too economically advanced, then they, according to Mao Zedong and the Chinese Communist Party, then they would risk becoming capitalist. So there was this war on merit where literally in order to keep the party in power, you had to quash people who raised their hand and wanted to do things the right way. I mentioned China, also the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union purposely crippled the economy. uh, Later in the Soviet Union, they had to start importing wheat from Ukraine. There was no reason for them to have to do that. They were fully capable of growing wheat just as much as their uh, neighbors. But it's because they quashed people who were competent and were trying to do things in a meritocratic way for the sake of the greater party ideology. We see in the case of China, these practices led to a huge famine, probably the biggest famine in world history. And in the case of the Soviet Union, it led to many people starving and also just an incredibly low and decrepit quality of life. So it really is the case that the war on merit is the war on civilization. If we are going to be pumping out kids in public schools and community colleges who are not competent in math or in other subjects, they are going to go on to the workforce and all of us, not not to mention them, them, but all of us are going to suffer as a result. On a final note, the MCAT, which is the exam here in the United States that prospective medical students have to take to gain admission to medical schools, the MCAT recently unveiled a new strategy in which they would substitute 25% of their questions out for social policy questions. So literally a quarter of the questions on the MCAT are not about science. They're not about medicine. They're about anti-racism, DEI, social issues, because it's this whole thing of the, the, the party line, wokeism, the, the you know, ideology that we want to support is more important than meritocracy and competence. How do you think that is going to work out long term? Do you anticipate that we are going to be seeing more medical tragedies because people who are going into the profession are no longer really well-versed in what they need to be versed in? I hate to call myself or others who are predicting this prophets, but it might come true, very likely to come true. Thank you all so much for joining me. Hit the subscribe button down below if you like this video so that you can stay notified every time we post a Julie Noted News video or a timeless episode. And be sure to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Julie R. Hartman. I'll see you soon. Take care.